let the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children children's bible journey with stories and songs just for kids we have a dramatized bible story coming up but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome god
you're about to hear is so amazing that it's almost too good to be true. But it is true. In fact, the miracle of the resurrection is one of the most well-documented facts in history. Doubters have never been able to explain how else Jesus' body could have disappeared from the tomb. That's because it's kind of hard to explain away the earthquake and the angel who announced that Jesus was not there but had risen. It's just like a mystery story come to life. Good choice of words since that's exactly what Jesus did. Have you seen him with your very own eyes? No, but Jesus did appear to more than 300 people after he rose from the dead. Wow, that's a lot of eyewitnesses. Sounds amazing. It is amazing that Jesus came back from the dead, but it really did happen. All the stories in the Bible about Jesus are true. Well, tell me more of them. to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Ambassador. Yes, Your Majesty. The nation of Israel under Solomon, their king, is fast becoming the most powerful and influential nation on earth. He has built a temple unto their God, which, it is said, is entirely overlaid with pure gold. The inside of the temple, that is. It is true, Your Majesty. A word has just reached me that the temple of Solomon is finished, and he has called his people together to dedicate it. I want you to be there. Give Solomon my personal greetings. Tell him that Egypt congratulates him and offers our best wishes. Report to me exactly what happens and how rich and beautiful the temple really is. Yes, Your Majesty. Also, discover, if you can, the true wisdom of Solomon. Is it really as great as claimed? Take many assistants with you that they may spy out and look over the land and give me a full and complete report. Yes, Your Majesty. 
remember, Princess, that you are each representing a nation of the East. You will give King Solomon the assurance that the kings of the East are behind him in all things, and that we will assist him when and if our assistance is needed. Assure him that we are at peace with him, and wish him, his people, and his God the best of everything. Eminence, Goodwill Ambassador from Philistia seeks an audience with His Majesty, great, powerful, and wise King of Israel. Audience granted. His Eminence may approach the throne. May the King of Israel live forever. Welcome to Jerusalem, Your Eminence. <laughs> I come, Your Majesty, at the request of my King. He, together with the Lord's ladies, princes, and people of Philistia, wish His Majesty Solomon, King of Israel, success and much prosperity in the dedication of the temple built unto his God. Thank you, Your Eminence. And convey to your king my personal greetings and best wishes. The dedication of the temple atop Mount Moriah begins in a few days. You have my personal invitation to stay and attend the ceremonies. I shall remain, your majesty, and thank you. Long live the king. Long live the king. And so on the appointed day of the dedication of Solomon's temple, Jerusalem was filled with the great men, the priests, the elders, the princes, and the people of Israel. Richly clad representatives from many foreign nations were also in attendance. Huge crowds filled the great courtyard of the temple and its broad approaches. The scene was one of unusual splendor. I doubt if there have ever been so many important people gathered in one place at one time. Princes and lords from other lands, generals galore, and, and the chief elders and princes from all the tribes of Israel. The priests of Levi are here, and, and people, I've never seen so many at one time. Well, Mother, this is the time of the Feast of the Tabernacles, you know. No. The uh, harvest has just ended, and the toils of the new year are not yet started. So the people are happy, free from care, and give themselves up to the sacred, joyous influences of the hour. Oh, it's in the air. I can feel it. Israel has never known such a happy, prosperous, and peaceful time as right now. Here they come. Is that really the ark they're carrying? Of course it is. Silly. Does God actually live in it? It's supposed to be the earthly dwelling place. Now just a minute, you two. Let me tell you about the ark. It is actually the Ark of God, the very same one Moses made and put in the most holy place of the tabernacle. Inside that Ark are the two tables of stone containing the Ten Commandments of God written by God's own finger. As God is holy and good and perfect, so are His commandments. God's habitation is in heaven. His approval of Israel, his influence and presence about Israel has been made known in the past by a cloud of glory issuing from the ark. Let us hope that this shall again be so when the ark rests in the most holy place of Solomon's temple. I think the main thing to remember in all this is one fact, that God is a real God, a living God, the God of creation. We depend upon him for every breath we breathe, every that we perform. Our very life depends upon him. But he is love. He is all. A very nice speech, Mother, and true, too. The parade stops every so often, and the king does something. Oh, it's not a parade. It's a procession. But why do they stop so often? The king is merely following the example of his father, David. 
Every six paces, he stops and offers sacrifices. But why does he do that? To emphasize to the people, son, that the temple is being dedicated to God and that the people are pledging their obedience to God. singing and with music and with great ceremony, the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into the most holy place of the new temple. The people were overjoyed. As the priests came out of the inner sanctuary, they took the positions assigned them. Levites, arrayed in white linen, stood at the east end of the altar. The Lord His mercy endureth forever, for he is the Lord God of Israel. The Lord is just, he is loving, his judgments are just, for he is the Lord God of Israel. Look, a cloud over the temple. It's so bright I can hardly see. It's the cloud of glory. The glory of the Lord fills the temple. It's so bright the priests cannot minister before it. It is a sign that the Lord is with us and will bless us. King Solomon is getting up on that platform in the middle of the court. Looks like he's going to say something. He's raising his arms over the congregation. Looks like he's going to bless us. He's starting to speak now, I believe. My dear fellow Israelites, the Lord God of Israel bless thee and keep thee. In the past, he hath performed great things for you and shall continue to do so as long as ye voice and keep his commandments. By the cloud of glory that now encompasses the temple, we know that God doth approve of the temple and is keeping his promise to bless and prosper us. And now, dear people of Israel, I call upon you to stand as one before the Lord your God as I give the dedicatory prayer. Turning towards the temple and lifting his arms heavenward, Solomon gave the dedicatory prayer. Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath, who keepeth covenants and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Therefore now, Lord God of Israel, keep thou the promise that thou madest with David my father, saying... There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel. But will thou indeed, O God, dwell in this temple on earth? Behold, the heaven cannot contain thee, how much less this temple that we have builded. Yet we pray unto thee, O Lord, and hear our supplication that thine eyes may be opened toward this temple night and day, even toward the place of which thou. And Solomon dedicated the newly built temple to the Lord God of Israel that day. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories 
to listen to at home, you can call the Bible and Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for her Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. This is Kim on my digital voice recorder, making a report for health class. The teacher wants us to tell what we did today to stay healthy. Well, here's what I did. I didn't get mad at Alex. Let me explain. Alex loves to make my life miserable. He thinks it's so much fun to tease me about my hair. Okay, my hair is kind of strange. It doesn't really have a color. It's just kind of a bunch of colors all mixed up. My dad says it reminds him of an old car he once had. I hate my hair. So today, Alex walks up to me and says, Hey, Kim, I think I know what color your hair is. It's garbage. I felt myself getting really, really mad. But then I remembered something I learned in health class. Teachers said that getting angry is bad for your health. Your blood pressure goes up, your digestion stops, your heart beats faster than it needs to, and your muscles get tense, all because you're mad. That stress just sits there in your body, making your head hurt. So I had to decide right then and there if I was going to make myself sick or not. I looked right at Alex and said, I think you're right. My hair is the color of garbage. And that makes me very, very, very special. Then I smiled sweetly and walked away. Wow, not getting mad sure felt good. My heart didn't beat too fast, my digestion kept going, and my blood pressure stayed right where it belonged. I might not love my hair, but I sure love my health. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, He established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story shows you how great it is to have a pet and how sad it can be when a pet disappears. While Jenny and her friend Natalie search for clues about what happened to Butterscotch, Jenny learns some important lessons about forgiveness. Chapter 4, Looking for Clues. By Monday morning, Butterscotch still hadn't come home. As far as they were able to tell, neither had Shorty. 
Jenny watched her mom sadly spoon Butterscotch's special diet into the trash because it was starting to stink up the refrigerator. Her eyes wandered over to the shelf where she kept Butterscotch's brush. There were a few cat hairs stuck in the bristles, but she didn't want to clean it out. Right now, that fur was all she had left of Butterscotch. Are you going to eat that? Natalie asked at lunchtime. Huh? Jenny said. Your apple. Are you going to eat it? Jenny sighed. No, you can have it. Food just didn't taste good anymore. Natalie took the apple and bit into it with a big crunch. This is a good apple, she said, trying to talk around the big bite. She chewed for a while, then set the apple down. Aren't you ever going to smile again? Jenny shrugged her shoulders. I don't know. Maybe someday when I grow up. I have an idea, Natalie said. Why don't we search around your house for clues? We can find butterscotch. I know we can. Jenny brightened a little. Do you think so? She asked, hopefully. Natalie thumped Jenny on the back. Sure we can. I'll meet you at your house after school tonight, okay? Jenny nodded. Okay. That afternoon, she waited impatiently at the end of her driveway for Natalie to change her clothes and meet her. Finally, just when Jenny was about to go look for her, Natalie burst out of her front door and ran over. Sorry, she panted breathlessly. My mom wanted me to help her fold some clothes before I left. She searched her pockets for something. But look what my dad let us borrow, she continued, pulling a big magnifying glass out of her pocket. She held it up to her eye. Jenny jumped. The magnifying glass made Natalie's eye look huge. The giant eye blinked at her. What do you think, Natalie asked. Wow, Jenny said. What do we do with it? Look for clues, of course, Natalie replied. She began looking carefully at the grass around the driveway. Didn't you say that Butterscotch ran across the lawn and then down the road? Jenny nodded. Yes. She thought back to the awful night. I heard this horrible squeal, and then I saw Butterscotch run across the yard with Shorty right behind her. They ran behind the cars and then down the street. She fought back tears. Then that truck roared by. When it squealed to a stop, I just knew she was going to be hit. Natalie pretended she didn't notice that Jenny was almost crying. But she wasn't, right? At least you didn't find her on the street. Come on, I think we should start here. Jenny followed along behind Natalie, who was crawling through the grass on the lawn toward the driveway. She pushed the grass to the side, trying to see little cat prints in the dirt. Suddenly, Natalie stopped. She held the magnifying glass almost on the dirt. Aha, she said, look at this. Jenny crawled up beside her. Cat prints, she said excitedly. What did I tell you? Natalie said happily. She examined the prints closely. It almost looks like she was jumping toward the driveway. But how do we know that Butterscotch made these prints that night and not some other time, Jenny asked. She loves chasing grasshoppers. Maybe she was jumping after one of them. I don't know, Natalie admitted, but we know she made these prints sometime. Jenny sat back in the grass and tried not to look unhappy. How are we ever going to find Butterscotch this way? Natalie sighed and plopped down beside her. I don't know, but we aren't going to find her by moping around in your room. Jenny, Mrs. Wallace called, would you come here a minute? Jenny trotted to the house. Her mother handed her a stack of papers and some thumbtacks. Here, honey, I made some posters saying that Butterscotch is missing and where to call if someone finds her. Why don't you go put them up around the neighborhood? Jenny threw her arms around her mother. Thanks, Mom, she said. Then she turned. Come on, Natalie. Mom had a great idea. They circled slowly around the block. Did anyone have a reason to steal Butterscotch? Natalie asked as she pushed a tack into a sign on a telephone pole. I don't think so, Jenny replied, counting out the number of posters they had left. She pointed to the next pole. Let's put one over there. But before she had taken two steps, a thought hit her. Wait, she said suddenly, stopping so fast that Natalie ran into her with a little grunt. When that truck stopped, the driver got out and ran around to the front. 
I thought he was just making sure that he hadn't hit Butterscotch or Shorty, but what if he stole them? Natalie's eyes got big. He could have. What kind of truck was it? Just then, a voice interrupted them. Excuse me, girls. It was Mrs. Norton, a woman who lived a few houses down the street. Are you looking for your pet? Jenny and Natalie ran eagerly to where Mrs. Norton was working in her yard. Yes, yes, they said together. She's a gold-colored cat named Butterscotch. Did you see her? No, Mrs. Norton said slowly. Not a cat. But Friday night, just as it was getting dark, I saw a little brown and white dog running down the street, barking his head off. Jenny felt her bottom lip quiver. That was Shorty. He chased Butterscotch away. Did you see a big truck about the same time, Natalie asked. Yes, Mrs. Norton said slowly. A big yellow one. It didn't hit your pet, did it? No, Jenny said, but we haven't seen my cat since then. I'm sorry, Mrs. Norton said kindly. I didn't even see a cat, just the dog. Thank you anyway, Jenny forced herself to say before Natalie tugged on her arm. Come on, Jenny, she said. Let's go put up the rest of these posters. Someone must have seen Butterscotch. By the time they finished putting up posters around the neighborhood, it was time for supper. Jenny said goodbye to Natalie and walked home slowly. Her mother called to her through the kitchen window. No luck, huh? Well, cheer up, sweetheart. Maybe someone will recognize her from the poster and call. And I put an ad in the paper today saying that she was missing. Jenny brightened. You did? Her mom nodded. Yes, I did. Oh, and Jenny, have you prayed about butterscotch yet? Yes, Jenny said. But we could pray again. Her mother knelt down on the kitchen floor and Jenny knelt down beside her. Dear Heavenly Father, her mother prayed, we know that you care for all your creatures. Please be with Butterscotch wherever she is. Keep her safe and help her to find her way home if it's your will. Amen. Jenny stood up and hugged her mom. God was watching over Butterscotch. He would take care of her. Suddenly she was hungry. Thanks, Mom. What are we having for supper? I'm starved. Her mom leaned over the oven. We're having gravy and biscuits. Jenny didn't hear her. Gravy and what? Biscuits, Mom said in a loud voice. Then a voice answered her from outside the window. Arf, arf! Jenny froze. Oh, no. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 3, Jenny's Catnapped Cat. Written by Celeste Perino Walker, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1 800 765 6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.